Welcome to the Loop Podcast. I'm Fran Langham, Global Head of Demand Gen at Cognizant, and I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Armenti, who is the Group Marketing Manager at Google. So um, welcome, Steve. Um, great to have you, and I'd love it if you could give our audience a little bit of an overview about yourself and what you do. Of course, yeah. Hi, Fran. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Um, so I, I am Group Marketing Manager. I'm focusing on global demand generation for Chrome Enterprise within the broader walls of Google. So that's Chrome Browser and Chrome OS all on the enterprise side. So it's, uh, it's all B2B. Uh, I focus on field marketing, campaigns, operations, web, analytics, ABM, that sort of thing, uh, and have been doing that for the last six and a half years at Google. Amazing. Sounds like you have a lot of strings to your bow there with um, all of those functions, like all of those areas. It's yeah, it's been a good experience. It's been a challenge at times. It's been an opportunity at times. Uh, you know, overall, though, I'm I'm thankful and grateful for, uh, you know, being able to work and uh, work with really amazing people and, and do really cool things. Yeah, amazing. Um, well, to kick off, I mean, I have many questions, but I will. Um, I'll start with my first one. Um, so, just as I am, we spoke a little bit backstage about um, Cognizant as a company. We're really trying to be at the forefront of this new demand gen movement. Um, we're we're trying to like build in public, like show like what we're learning about demand gen, and we're just very open to testing sort of new ideas. And just Google being such an innovative company um and you know they, they're known for this like innovative approach to marketing how how do you think about it um in your day-to-day -day, um you know staying ahead of the curve particularly like in a larger organization right when there may be not as much flexibility to test absolutely everything sure yeah yeah it's it is it's difficult and i think my approach has been for me somewhat of a learning process over the last several years and it, it speaks to my strengths so i think some folks might have a different perspective here but for me i'm so process driven and and disciplined in process that i've spent a lot of time thinking about what is the foundational process that will allow us to be innovative or allow us to test things allow us to experiment and a lot of times i find I find comfort in the process and knowing that we do have something at the base, we can then be spontaneous because worst case, you know, the, the experiment fails or spontaneous core of what that in that, that framework. But I think, you know, for me, it's, it's having a mindset that allows you to be innovative, but not throw it all out there or, or basically right. risk it all, right? You don't want to risk it all. And so for, for me, that's been having a, a process you can fall back to, uh, you know, in case things go wrong. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, yeah, I can certainly echo that with, um, well, when we, we shifted our but, sort of from lead gen to sort of the demand gen plays and we, we started testing and throwing things out there. And I must admit that there wasn't a lot of method to the madness at first. And we, um, this year I've worked really hard on like getting processes in place and almost like operationalizing the strategy. Um, and it's crazy how much it's like made a difference to the team and, and just process mapping out like our way of work with like content and core demand and initiatives has actually freed up almost like headspace to focus on um, new ideas. But then when we start testing those new ideas, it almost falls 
back into that process so we're not kind of going so off piece that we're I think like we've been guilty in the past of working on a campaign taking it so far and then realizing it might not be the right one but we've already put like 10 mm. hours of work in there so I assume that's kind of what you're trying to avoid there in, in that process yeah well. exactly and that that's where it gets tricky right is if yeah. you put let's say you put all your eggs in that basket and then it doesn't work out what do you go back to because then there's a gap in your planning and your strategy as you're figuring out what the next thing is and waiting and you know what if that thing fails and now all of a sudden you're you're oh and two and you had all this downtime in between planning those two things and there really wasn't the engine working in the background and i think that's what a lot of demand folks aspire to even even marketers actually i, I feel like we typically tend to want to build things that are sustainable and and kind of drive themselves and it that in itself is great but it can be counterintuitive to being innovative if you're not doing both right and so mm -hmm. you want that engine powering you in in the background but really enabling you to be spontaneous and do experiments and not you know risk everything yeah most definitely and and just to dig into a little bit about the frameworks um that you mentioned that you have in place um touching on the relationship with sales specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so again, an interesting topic for me because we've just started to think about ABM programs at Cognizant as we're moving up market and um, the key relationship with sales for that kind of program mm -hmm. is very key. So I guess um, without jumping ahead too much, it would be great to understand how you think about building the relationship with sales on the frameworks. And then we could maybe touch on the ABM approach just because I'm particularly interested yeah. if that's cool for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I love both of those things. I love sales. I love salespeople. Uh, ah. I love ABM as well. Yeah. Uh, actually, fun fact, I, I started my first job at a college was an SDR, you know, in oh, really? sales. Yeah. Yeah. For two years, I was making 100 phone calls a day, just trying to, to get in touch with CFOs and sell them uh, accounting software. And uh, yeah, so I just I have a I have a respect and a, yeah. an empathy, you know, for sellers. Right. And so I think I've definitely invested a lot of time in that alignment. And I think, you know, we were talking about process and, and being innovative and, and such, you know, I think some of the baseline things you want to do with sales start with shared goals, shared targets, uh, you know, aligning with them on what, what are we doing? What are we going to, to accomplish together? And then how do we define what that is we're going to accomplish? And so, you know, for example, it's easy to say marketing and sales are going to get aligned and we're going to drive revenue. Mm -hmm. Well, but how do you actually define revenue? How do you get to revenue? How do you walk that backwards and figure out the KPIs that you need to hit in order to actually deliver revenue? Making sure you're able to measure all those things, but also that you have clear definitions with sales and marketing. That's been a, an eye opener for me is you could be operating months towards a metric that when you go and report that metric, you get questions from leadership and it and it changes the definition of what you thought it was. And then you realize, oh, no, we, we have different definitions and that's a problem, right, especially in those leadership meetings. And so I think doing some some of that key baseline work around like setting targets, defining them and measuring them. If you have that in place, you can now do something like ABM. You can bring an ABM vision to your organization and you can layer that on top of the of the base that you're building. So to me, that's that's a real life example of building the base, you know, trying something new and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I can certainly relate to the misalignment piece, particularly around um, 
I think key metrics and goals. Um, we often get that question when we switch to Manda and they're like, what are people ask us like, what are all the metrics that you measure? And to be honest, like, I think it's like the amount of things that you measure or like having 10 OKRs or KPIs. I think it's more around the alignment on the ones that you've chosen is the most important. I'd rather have like one goal and everyone be aligned on it because then mm -hmm. there's like the same expectation um, around what we're presenting. And I think as well, as you said, like the data story that you're then telling becomes meaningless if people are interpreting it in different ways because they're trying to use it for their goal, which actually sometimes isn't aligned with yours. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, amazing exactly. when that happens, yeah. but it does happen often. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. You brought up a good point too about simplicity where, you know, imagine you're, you're in marketing and you're presenting to sales and you're you're presenting on let's say 12 kpis mm. how confusing is that right they're not going to understand well what are you actually doing right and so i think keeping it simple like you said ideally you have that one north star goal that you're working towards and the rest of it is really just leading indicators and um you know sort of diagnostic type metrics to make sure you're not you're not falling off track for the year yeah most definitely and i think like we do still track these sort of lagging and diagnostic, you know, more diagnostic approach to like the data, but it's like coaching the team on like, that's our sort of, that's for us to kind of get a cohesive story to kind of feed into the wider goal. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost like less is more, I think, in terms of like telling the story as obviously as long as it's all backed up by the data, it's like I'm um, sort of coach the team on like when we're presenting it, like if we have all that data somewhere, that's good because if we need to ever pull it out or go back to it that's fab but we need mm -hmm. to just be presenting back up into that core goal because um otherwise it's like hundreds of slides um sometimes mm -hmm. it's on a i don't know a click-through rate on a linkedin campaign versus like how many people we've yeah. met and and really we just want to say kind of what sort of outputs are bringing the most pipeline essentially yeah, you know what, I mean? yeah. what initiatives yeah. have been successful so i think um I actually, I wrote, um, I actually wrote this on a LinkedIn post the other day. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but like, I've been in marketing a long time and um, I didn't really used to have a lot of data to hand. I'd just mm -hmm. sort of do a few graphs here, there and manually be sifting through Excel sheets. And we're, we're so rich in like technology now and, and Cognizant have like a very healthy sort of tech stack. It sometimes I think has gone the other way now where there's so much technology and data it's like how do you know kind of like where to, where it begins and where it ends right mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I I totally agree I think it's been a shift from not having data and wanting data now having a plethora of data and mm. not really being able to to do anything with it and I say all the time that uh, you know date marketing and data to me is is the art and the science and I I love folks and I say this to my team all the time about skill sets is if you are the type that can understand the kind of technical side of data but then you can also understand the business side of marketing you're a, you're a gem and and you are you are a standout contributor to the team because you're not siloed in one versus the other and i don't know about your experience but uh to me that 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 typical process what happens is you have a marketer who understands the business they go to an analyst and they say i want this build me this chart i need this data etc 
the analyst provides it and the marketer says, this isn't what I was looking for. And the analyst says, well, that's exactly what you asked for. And, and now yeah. you're in this loop. And I mean, think about all the time that's wasted and, and the resourcing there. So I think the folks that can understand both sides can really unlock some creativity. Uh, that, that's what I love about it is when you really find an insight that leads you to some hypothesis and you go and experiment it or work on it and it, and it works out, it turns out well, that that's that's harmony right there you know between data analytics and and marketing folks yeah like like couldn't agree more actually um we um we we hired um um, francesca on our team she's amazing um and it's our Mm -hmm. first like um reporting hire i would say um and and that's the job and then when when she uh francesca arrived we were so excited and everybody across the whole team were making many, many requests. Let's report on this. We want to see that. And what actually happened was we built many, many reports that were often being underutilized. And some were either saying the same thing or saying nothing, if, if that made sense. Like the data was there, but like nobody knew why they had asked for it. I think even myself, I was guilty of it. I was like, oh, I think I requested that, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. now. And and now we put this process in place and it's really simple. But when we go to Francesca, we, we tell Francesca like the question that we'd like answering and she mm-hmm. will come back with options on or quiz us right and be like really like is ah. you know you know and it, it will be challenged on that question and um or she might push us to go deeper and say but are you actually asking this or maybe you're asking that right um I love that. And, and just like on like over segmentation like we've been quite guilty of that before so we might be slicing and dicing pipeline by persona by region by company size on the month which is mm-hmm. we've which is mad because like obviously the numbers become very you know come really small because we've segmented it all so much and then we have this whole thing where the data is meaningless in that sense and so it's mm-hmm. almost like process as you said like going back to the very first point that you made process mapping what makes sense to report on when has been a game changer for us and it sounds like really simple but it's something that we just haven't been doing yeah, yeah. No, it sounds really profound. And I, I can, uh, I can empathize how difficult that actually is. It, you know, it sounds yeah. easy on paper, just do that. And, but, but in, in, in reality, it really is. And when you get into the complexity of where the data is, the quality of the data, where it's being stored, and how you can join certain data sets together, it's, it's a whole world that I certainly didn't understand, uh, you know, up until a year ago, and have been excited to learn more about. Mm. And so it sounds like Francesca is that person who can uh, kind of shepherd that into the organization for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's she's fab, and yeah, I think yeah, we needed a firm hand to tell us what what we throwing <laughs> yeah, yeah, these numbers everywhere. <laughs> we definitely. Um, and then just to just to pivot the conversation slightly, and um, we we touched on ABM a little bit in terms of how we should be thinking about it with sales. Um, and just um, as mentioned, it's something we're looking at ourselves, and I'm just really interested to learn how the ABM is structured like within the team, the marketing team and, and, and how, um, how that process works. you know, obviously Mm -hmm. you don't have to share every detail, but just, just broadly, like how you think about ABM. Um, and the reason I ask is one, we're we're trying it ourselves, but two, um, I, upon listening to podcasts and reading things on LinkedIn and things like ABM can be many different things. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to understand what it means to you. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. It can mean many different things. And my 
my perspective has evolved. It continues to evolve. And I, I keep getting connected to more and more folks, which helps evolve the perspective. So, so I'll tell you what I think it is today. Uh, but if you ask me in a month, it'll, it'll probably yeah. be different. <laughs> That's um, fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I kind of subscribe to the framework of, uh, you know, the, the typical pyramid of one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many. And uh, it's very common, but you know, one-to-one is your highest touch accounts. You're working, you know, hand in hand with sales to deliver a, a bespoke, unique, highly personalized experience to those accounts. And then you've got the accounts in the middle. These are folks that are, not yet considering your your product or service, um, but you've you've identified them as a potential customer, right? You've you've probably got some intent data. You might have some information from sales. Maybe you've done some research in the past. These these are folks that you you know you kind of have a finger on, but they're they're not quite ready yet. Yeah. And then that that lower bucket of one to many is is really everyone else in the account universe. I think these are the folks that that fall into that 95% bucket you keep hearing a ton about, right? Oh, 95% of your buyers are out of market right now. Um, I, I like to think that bottom category is that 95%. And that's where, you know, it's mostly scale. I think you're looking at, uh, you know, ABM display campaigns. You're just trying to be front and center of, of folks. You're trying to identify who the buying group is. How do you acquire folks in that buying group? So a lot more scale type efforts. And then as you go up that pyramid, it's obviously more personalized. There's a lot more data. There's a lot more measurement and reporting collaboration with sales. So I do, I do, you know, that's kind of in the framework I think about, uh, and, and it's evolving. I think within each of those categories is its own place to, to optimize and evolve, which has been kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And and touching on um touching on the one to one, um, which where is where we've kind of um decided where more unscalable ABA, ABM actions mm-hmm. may fall there, right? So um things like gifting programs and uh dinners and things like that. Do you have anything that um ha- has worked, I guess, particularly well? Because I'm really like I do like the idea of gifting, but I find it difficult when if it's somebody that you don't have that relationship with, it can just be a bit like misaligned, you know, like just, or just sending branded merch. I don't know. I mean, maybe from, from a company like Google, it's probably more exciting than a company like Cognizant. So maybe you don't have that problem. Um, and, and then the second part of my question is, we've been thinking about running like dinners and things, but again, it's like, does it make sense when it's prospects who we don't quite have the relationship with yet? Mm-hmm. It's just such valid points. Yeah. And and I will say, you know, we, we aren't perfect. Uh, and this is an area actually that is a, a, a strategy for 2024 is, is one-to-one. How do you get that right? Mm-hmm. And so I can share some, some ideas and, and aspirations, and then also uh, some feedback I actually got from some peers at a, at a marketing meetup a, a few weeks ago on, on this topic. And so you mentioned, start with the gifting thing. I think this is perfectly ripe to go wrong. Uh, And and a good example is I I actually literally got a a gift in my inbox from some, from a company I'd never heard of, never talked to. uh, And it said, we have this gift for you. And there's a link in the email and there's no way I'm clicking that. I mean, I, I don't know you, I don't even know who it came from. And so to me, that's, that's a company who heard, Oh, you know, sending $50 gift cards will help you get meetings. And they did that and they 
you know, sent it out to a bunch of people and they're probably just measuring some conversion rate. But meanwhile, it, it really has also, it's alienated me as a, as a potential customer. Yeah, Cause now you're like, thinking oh. that's spam already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like weird. This is spam and it's, <laughs> it's like too, too fast, too quickly. Right. So I think what you're after is right. You, you, there's a, there's a balance there. And if you don't have the relationship, I don't know if that strategy actually works because mm. uh, it, it can come off um, yeah, a little bit spammy. Uh, I think there's also, I don't know if you've tried any of these high quality, um, lead direct mailer type programs, there's a few companies that offer these where you essentially send a person, you know, some sort of swag, whether it's a, it's a mug, a shirt, or, you know, some little device or something in exchange for them filling out a survey, they right. maybe consume some of your content and, you know, now you get this, this lead or this contact. And I think that that's another attempt at at trying to scale too quickly with gifts, right? You're going to get folks that just want the gift. They, they have no intention of talking to you. Uh, they're going to get that gift and then they're going to ghost you. And, you know, now, now all of a sudden, you know, in your mind, gifting is a bad strategy. So mm -hmm. I think what's interesting, uh, and th this isn't my idea. I heard this from a peer who, who works in another, you know, fortune 1000 company. Um, her job was, is one-to-one -one ABM. That's her whole day job. This company is big enough where they have a right. person doing that. And, and when she thinks about gifts and one-to-one -one and ABM, it actually has everything to do with who the individual is that they're trying to reach. And what they'll do is design hyper-personalized custom campaigns for that person. And the, the example she shared with me, which I thought was amazing, was they identified this, this CXO at an account that they were, they were unable to get a meeting with. They knew this person, you know, made the decisions, had budget, they had, you know, competitive, um, a competitor already there. And so they really just wanted to get this meeting. So they found out through basically manual research that this person was really into classic rock and roll and and they were a music they loved music right, right. so they built a campaign called you know some, something rock stars right like rock stars of the industry and they created um custom creative ads with a caricature of this person on the ad and they were delivering these ads like abm style to this person the landing page was all about music they built a custom playlist for this person and this was like the the soundtrack of the campaign and, and 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 they got a meeting i mean this is what it this is what it took to get a meeting you know we're talking about these are huge, you know, seven, eight figure deals that, that you're trying to get in front of. And so that to me, it's, it sort of says, that's what it takes. Like if you're going to do one-to-one, -one, that's what it takes. It's not, it's not sending a bunch of gift cards. It's not, um, you know, I don't know, sending wine bottles or anything like that. Right. It's, it's really getting to know who the person is on the other side of the, the relationship. I really love that. I actually also thought you were going to say, and the reason it worked is because they already had like a prior relationship with them. Because that's normally what people say. But and like, they didn't. They yeah, didn't. it was all new. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to play personalized playlist, and I hope someone's listening. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, yeah I was jealous. <laughs> I want somebody to. I want someone to ABM me. That would be awesome. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, okay, cool. And then um, that's that's a great story. I'm going to relay that to the team. Um, and what about, I guess the, I guess it's of a similar, like it's going to be a similar response, but what about the event play mm. alongside that? I, I suppose it's, you're going to say something similar in terms of like, not knowing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know the prospect, it's difficult and, and things like that. It is. Yeah. I think events have, have gotten trickier uh, because mm. 
you know, in the past, that was the way to get in front of your of your buying group and uh, meet folks face to face, right? And I, and I still think it is, but I think now through the lens of ABM, there needs to be an extra layer of intelligence and precision applied to events. So one, one of the things I've been thinking about is, let, let's say you have a pretty mature event program and you, you go to, you know, 50, 100 events a year and you're sponsoring events, you're hosting events and that sort of thing. In the past, you probably sponsored that event no matter what because you did it last year and maybe sales wants you to go there or your product team or you know somebody somebody in the company wants you to go there and you're in marketing. You say, okay, yeah, we're going to go to that event. And you come back and you, and you measure. You say, okay, how many of our target accounts were at that event? You find out it's only 15%. I've started to think about how do we actually flip that whole process around and say, look at the, the distribution list and say, how many of our accounts are going to be there? Oh, only 15%. Well, why would we be there? Right? Why wouldn't we go to the event where there's 60% of our accounts or you're actually getting direct feedback from sales and putting an SLA on them to, to invite prospects and invite accounts to those events. And now all of a sudden you're building the ABM strategy into your event execution mm -hmm. versus just going to events and seeing what sticks. So, you know, I think that's one way and that's kind of more the, the one to few, right? That like middle category or, or kind of the bottom of, of one to one. Uh, within one to one, you know the the sort of roundtables, the dinners, the the events, and that sort of thing. I, I think the kind of the conversation we were just having still applies, right? Without the relationship, those things can be cold and they can feel yeah. like just a regular event. So, you know, I'd, I'd probably save that tactic for once you have built a relationship or you've you know had some conversations. You've already, you've already had the meeting, right? You had the first meeting. And now you're going to use that. I think probably using a, a roundtable dinner with with five random executives that don't know each other, you know, plus your sales team for the first meeting for all of them is maybe not great. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit weird. Okay. Yeah. No, no. That, be, that makes sense. Uh, like just, um, just for yourself, like thinking about like um, networking and, and things like how, how do you go about that just to like just for yourself professionally like are events something that appeal to you still or or do you think there's a better way because it, it, i think it's always i think events like particularly post-covid has become an interesting mm -hmm. question right mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean you know as a like you a, a marketing decision maker i think events truthfully that like they don't really fit into my buying process i don't no. i don't go to events anymore thinking I'm ready to buy stuff, you know, or I am, I am actively researching. I think for me, it's more about having the face-to-face -face conversations with the people that you've been networking with digitally. Mm -hmm. And so they're almost, they're a milestone in the relationship. And so, you know, I think that can equate to a sales process. I mean, there are folks, you know, I, I try to stay in touch with a variety of different vendors that we work with and uh, build relationships with those folks. And obviously that helps, right? It helps the relationship. And um, we continue to do to do business with, with good partners and, and that sort of thing. So I think events can play a role there. But from a discovery standpoint, I, I think for me, at least, they they don't f they don't fit that need. You know, I'm not going to events yeah, that, yeah. Uh, with this open mind of, you know, what can I buy? You know, what, mm -hmm. show me all the software, right? It, it's almost overwhelming at that point. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I, I think like 
again we have like so much information at our fingertips anyway like we can do that research and and I, I went to a partner event a few weeks ago and again like I'm a big advocate of the partner play just in the sense that there were other like-minded people like using the vendor for the same things that we were um mm-hmm. and I went to this event and to be honest like I, I was a bit skeptical because I was like mm, okay well we, I've got to fly over there it was it was in Madrid I got to fly over there and um, it, it was for an agency that, that we work with and I was like yeah it was probably just you know could be a lot of sort of product chat and, and things like that like and I just wasn't overly I was like do I need to go right like do I already know kind of what's going on in my sort of process and stuff but I guess like to cut a long story short I, I got there and, and, and the event was done so well it was very low touch in terms of pitching and things like that it was mm-hmm. more just for me as a marketer to get value out of like my peers that were also there because they're using the vendor for the exact same reason so we we had the same challenges so we could discuss um they had talk uh talk from a great great cmo that i um hadn't had not been connected with before and and i was like just making loads of notes and like learning a lot and and again it was it felt like it the, the core goal of the event was just to kind of deepen the relationship but not in a and we want to sell you more hours or more time mm-hmm. or more of this it was and I think it was done in such a way that um just left a great sort of like yeah like a great feeling I guess and and I think if partners can do events super well it it really really works but then on the flip side I guess if I get I get emails all the time like do you fancy dinner and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah. I don't know who you are <laughs> and right, I'm right, skeptical yeah. about going to a partner event I'm definitely not going to go to like a prospect event kind of thing where I don't know anyone um totally yeah that, that's really interesting it actually reminds me of a a customer advisory board I was at a few weeks ago which was designed like you said it was designed to network it was designed to learn and 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 chat with your peers from other companies that we you know we all had a shared interest of working with this um this martech provider and so I think that that's an interesting model right is take take the face-to-face part of it and and double down on that as far as the networking and the learning and bringing in speakers and and all that sort of thing and and i think all of us attendees got a ton of value out of it and meanwhile of course the the um the partner that was hosting this cab was getting tons of valuable insight Mm -hmm. into the way that we all think and and essentially just you know moderated a discussion for a day um and and that worked really well yeah definitely um it it does work and again yeah as he said actually the partner's getting that value because they yeah they're under they're deeply understanding like their mm-hmm. customer essentially Ooh. yeah 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 which which we didn't get into this but that's probably priority zero of abm deeply understanding your customer right that that's if you if you don't have that everything else you do after is probably going to fail yeah most definitely um it's it's a core part of our process which um Everyone says that, don't they? Understand the customer, but like not many people actually do that because mm-hmm. it's like uh, taking the time to listen to calls, um, interviewing customers, and it's not yeah. always doesn't always feel like the top priority. Like I know my team have said before, like oh, but we want to get these ads out there. Like it doesn't feel like we're working if we're just sat listening to calls. And I'm like, but your ads could be so much better if <laughs> if you'd actually listen to what the you know we just signed a big customer. Like how? how did that happen and let's try and you know replicate that somehow or, or scale that insight to 
to mm-hmm. make it happen again. So it's so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and, and for, so like my team, we run ads. Uh, we a little while ago, we were watching um, actually like video uh, conversations between a seller and a prospect, and oh. it puts a real human element to it. Where you you think and you sit there and you say, "Wow, this person actually." saw some of the marketing we did and was intrigued enough to click it and consume all of these things and now get on this conversation and they are sharing all of their pain points, right? And and I vividly remember this one company. It was a fairly small business. Uh, The owner of the company was trying to, um, you know, uh, implement some IT uh, hardware in their, in their manufacturing or sorry, their warehouse operation. And, just very, very specific and tactical and was sharing, oh, you know, I have two people down there and they're sharing this hardware and I need them to access this and that. And I, you know, I want security on that and management for this. And, uh, it, it just really, you talk about pain points when you see them in a persona deck, it's like, oh yeah, that's what they care about. But yeah. when, you know, when you actually hear a person saying, you know, this slows down my, my business and my business is my livelihood because, uh, you know, I'm a company of five people. It, it's just, it hits a little different. Mm. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's kind of like emotional um, mm-hmm. aspect to it, and and I yeah. think like we, since we've we've um, just been generating a lot more, I'd say like value like content. We we we've got a lot more qualitative feedback um, just from. So when we listen to sales calls now, it's like we get mention like our podcast um, gets a mention, or our um, like an initiative that we ran kind of gets a mention and it's because it's become like memorable because um like for example we run like a cold calling live um session where we we train um essentially morgan ingram our subject matter expert um runs training for like sdrs because ultimately the sdrs are the main users of the cognizant product Mm -hmm. and we provide that completely ungated completely free training like um you know twice a month and it's great because like now we're hearing on sales calls like oh um we heard about Cognizant because our SDRs have been like attending the training and, and uh. it obviously has that strong brand sentiment and they keep saying, why don't we try Cognizant? And, you know, and, and they're sort of really championing the product. And I just think it's like almost creating that memorable brand experience is, is super cool. Um, mm-hmm. And something that we probably wouldn't have been able to do as well if we were like putting a form in front of it or just mm-hmm. collecting leads. And I just think, I just think um, something's coming up on screen. Um, I just think it works really well um, for that. Um, yeah. And again, it's all yeah. around brand sentiment element. It's oh, totally yeah, and that's that's probably the ideal scenario, right? Is you're you're creating this content, you're creating messaging, you're you're creating value for somebody, and they receive that value, and then it, and it comes back, right? And you hear mm-hmm. about it. That's that's a huge win. Definitely. Um, and then I suppose just I've already touched on it a tiny bit on on the element of or well, the aspect of brand. Um, mm-hmm. It's flying around everywhere at the moment that we sh- I keep writing posts about it to be honest about we should be doing brand marketing and um, you know that's that's sort of be the main core of your create demand strategy and um, I guess brand marketing can mean like different things but I think you know what does it mean sort of in your sort of day to day workflow is it something you think about like separately to like demand gen are there's different plays or do you see it all as the same process yeah yeah i i can share some thoughts and i think i think you're right there is this momentum happening right now in marketing that we've all forgotten about brand 
Yes. And, you know, like the, the LinkedIn B2B Institute, I think gets credit for this stat, but the, the 95-5 rule that we're talking about where only 5% of your audience is in market right now to, to buy. And, and I've, I've seen that like 3%. It, it really doesn't matter. It's just the theory that, um, you know, some folks are in market, some are not. And, and actually, there's another category of folks that, that are neither. They don't even know you exist. They don't even know they have a problem, right? There's there's yes. nothing there. And I think it's it's catching some some steam because during COVID, we all went really heavy on the performance side of marketing and the, the conversion aspect. And we knew what we could measure was going to get us more budget, right? And so that's where we invested. Um, and because, you know, digital events were going away during COVID, marketers had more budget to put into digital. And so I think, you know, we, we just kind of created this. Marketers went way too heavy on the performance side. And I think that that brand never went away we just weren't talking about it as much. Mm -hmm. It's it's really key. And I think uh, I am, you know, I'm of the belief that ABM or, or really account-based targeting marketing, just account-based uh, frameworks are, are going to be really important for marketing. And so if you apply that ABM framework to brand, now I think it's a little bit more valuable. I think traditional yeah. brand as we know it, right, is you do, do display ads and, or sorry, um, like billboards and radio ads yeah, and TV PR and, and yeah. Yeah. PR. And, and it, there's a lot of waste in that, you know, who, who you don't really know who you're reaching. And so I, I'm excited about some of the stuff now where there's connected TV, ABM advertising, you've got ABM right. display, right? And so now you're, you at least know, okay, I'm going to try to introduce our brand to this account. And hopefully you're doing that because you've got some signal that says this brand is unaware, right? Maybe you don't have the full buying committee acquired in your database. You don't have any background. You don't have any history with this account. And so you decide, okay, for this account, we're going to start with, with that brand. And uh, yeah, in general, I, I do think the traditional, uh, whatever you want to call it, the buying journey exists, right? People they start with a, a problem or they start with, you know, something that changes their perspective. Now, all of a sudden they're researching, they're learning, and then they develop some affinity for a few brands. They go and evaluate them and they do demos and, you know, that whole thing. I, I think that that is valuable. Um, we could talk about how that's changing maybe, but yeah, if, if you're, I think the learning is if you haven't, if you went too heavy on one versus the other, your probably your program's lopsided. So so you've got yeah. to course correct a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. I think um yeah, because I guess like at its core, like we we talk a lot about the brand and being memorable and, and things like that. But um we don't like shy away from the fact that we still do like a what we call a demand capture piece. So we still are like mm -hmm. doing that like the Google ads and capturing that demand and, and getting people like through the funnel. So like mm -hmm. you said, like there is there is that balance. Like we'd never I don't think we'd exist in a world where we just turned that off and only then just started doing billboards instead, right? So right, as much right. as like it's become the forefront and it is really important, it doesn't mean to say we aren't doing all those other things still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so now, you know, you could play this out a little bit where folks are going to start investing in, in brand. And I think because of the statistics around how the buying journey has changed as well, where most of it is already done before you get to a seller, there's going to be more of this emphasis on, on exactly what you're doing, right? You're ungating content, you're creating value, you're investing in thought leadership and telling stories. And 
that's going to have a profound effect. And, and I would bet the next thing is trying to figure out, can we measure that? So we'll go, we'll go back to, well, let's try to measure it now. And, and I, I hope that actually creates some new, some new strategies or theories in marketing of how can you connect brand to, to performance or, you know, demand capture. Um, I think that's a, a space that um, is, is worth, you know, looking at and, and talking about more. Yeah, most definitely. We, um, we, we have, um, spoken quite a lot of a team um so we we originally we, we said let's get comfortable being uncomfortable it's dark social we can't measure it we have to just mm -hmm. um we kind of got comfortable with saying if we can see a general trend upwards in like in bandemic requests for example then that will have to suffice for the right now um and i think now we've got comfortable with our demand gen plays and we know we're doing regular podcasts and live events where it's tricky to track those metrics um I've really, it's been really interesting how the team have evolved and adapted and to test new ways of measurement. It's like really exciting for me. So mm -hmm. th th there's small things like, um, you know, we, we, we talk loads about adding a, how did you hear about us on the form? So like the self-reported attribution. So um, we've had that running for like 18 months now. And it's amazing to see like the pattern, like how many times a podcast gets mentioned, albeit it's not like super scalable, right? So it's, it's hard right. to keep looking at those reports, but even just seeing that you're like, okay, no, people are listening to the podcast and that's how they genuinely did hear about us or mm -hmm. whatever other piece of activity that is. Um, and I think just things like we use um, hockey stack, which is quite a new tool for us. Um, okay. Think about um, looking at sort of when we're, sales are on gone calls like we we get a report like via hockey stack like when the podcast is mentioned or a particular tag is mentioned so that's oh, again cool. it's like providing that measurable output on you know um and again it's like you have to define this internally yourself but it has mm -hmm. has influenced the deal and there's lots of different ways you can do the attribution which i am learning um so there's lots there's yeah. the based attribution the linear attribution but just generally right now i'm pleased to see that these activities that we were unable to track are influencing deals like i'm happy with that for the moment i don't want to overcomplicate that um and things like with with hockey stack we look at the um you know we maybe we've signed a deal and it's it's uh with a big company it's outbound it's it's been allocated to mm -hmm. outbound i mean at all of that attribution is a whole other whole of the podcast i i can imagine but, <laughs> but um but let's say that's happened but what was interesting in hockey stack is, is we can see like the exact ads on linkedin um for example that they've engaged with in the run-up to kind of booking that meeting with the mm -hmm. sales team which campaigns which ad resonated particularly well was it like an abm play was it not and again like i'm not really in a position to kind of advise on how we're exactly scaling this data and, and this process because i don't have a process yet but just being able to now unlock those insights is a bit of a game changer for me because when we're reporting back up into leadership if we can have some kind of annoyingly it's always the case but the quantitative sort of metrics mm -hmm. to, to prove it i guess um has been really cool but again yeah. it's in its infancy and i don't like feel like an expert on it yet but um yeah, I think it's cool. I think there's tools out there that that could really start to help with this brand or untrackable like actions. Yeah, that, that's amazing. By the way, I think I think big kudos for even going down that journey because attribution is it's it's a mountain, right? It it is, it is. like a rock mountain <laughs> with with sharp edges on each side. I mean, it, it is it is hard for a marketer. So uh, I, I keep seeing lots and lots of 
conversation around hockey stack and I love all their content too. They're, they're great at, at content and storytelling. And yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, like we talked about how do you, how do you bring innovation to things? And I think you can bring innovation to measurement and attribution and analytics. And sounds like that's what you're doing. And you're at least taking the step to try to figure it out. And, you know, the, the, the signals are early today, but eventually they'll start to make sense. And maybe, you know, you you look at them differently or you join them together with other signals you have across the the tech stack. And, you know, now all of a sudden you, you, you wake up one day and you're like, wow, we're we're doing attribution uh, and it's working. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, most definitely. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, well, I could talk about it for hours if I'm honest, but, um, but yeah, we're making some steps in the right direction. Um, I would say, um, okay, cool. I mean, this conversation again, I could chat to you for hours, so I must have you back on the podcast. Um, however, <laughs> just, just to finish, like, I'd love just to, um, touch quickly on, um, what, what do you see, um, for like, it doesn't have to be for 2024 specifically, but, um, mm-hmm. sort of like future, um, you know, sort of technologies, or maybe it's an, a trend that's emerging. Like, where do you see us kind of going next? Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but yeah, yeah, it's I I love this question, and and also it is a hard one to answer because I mean, you know, if you ask me in six months, I'm sure all my predictions will be wrong, right? You you just don't know. But the, I think the the things I'm excited about are. Um, personalization, like like real personalization. I'll explain what I mean there. Um, and then sort of creativity and then um, Gen AI. Everybody's excited about Gen AI. Um, I have a, maybe a warm take on Gen AI. Uh, but, you know, so, so personalization, I think, is a lot of stuff we've been talking about. I feel like there's this opportunity to break through the noise of just the sea of, of ads and emails. And like we talked about, people just sending gifts to a thousand of their their icps you know and then that that's all noise to me and so there's this opportunity to really truly become personalized get to know the individuals on the other side of the phone or the email and understanding what that actually requires it, it requires an investment in data in infrastructure third-party data first-party data you you really need to um, develop the the mechanics behind the scenes to be able to personalize and then doing personalization personalization, maybe not at scale. Let's try to do this actually more ad hoc uh, and not just immediately jump to, okay, how do I, how do I write a prompt that's going to personalize 10,000 emails or something like that? Um, And then the second one, creativity, I think that B2B is, is boring. Like it just is. it's, (laughs) It's gotten more boring. And I feel like, Quite honestly, it's it's our fault. It's the it's the marketer's yeah. fault because some of these technologies do really cool things, right? Like some of this stuff in healthcare, it it contributes to saving lives, or in nonprofit, it, it's it's uh, providing water to people that don't have water. Like there are so many stories behind the technologies and the and the platforms and the solutions and stuff that nobody is telling. And and I love it when you see a good solid. B2B, you know, storytelling use case and, and it's creative and the production value is really high. So I'd love to see more of that. And then, you know, for Gen AI, I think that folks were really caught up in the hype of, of content creation and, you know, going into these tools and spinning up more content that you can handle. 
And again, that's just noise. Like we don't need more of that. I think Gen AI is most exciting when you when you think about the data and the the future of who the marketer is. And so I would I'd love to envision you know, someone in the demand gen team, or maybe you have a team that that's like prompt marketing, where their job is to understand what the business needs, and then write the prompts that are valuable to go into your own data, which is a combination of, you know, your CRM, your automation platform, third party signals you gather, right, and then and then deliver outcomes based on that. And so I, you know, I often think and talk about this idea of, you know, take ABM where you're building account lists. It's, it can be a very manual kind of annoying process. Imagine you could just go and prompt and say, I would like a list of accounts that have engaged in marketing in the last 90 days. They've consumed at least one email and attended a webinar. They are not a current customer. They have not talked to sales yet. They have a lead score of 55 or above, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then you hit enter and you get a list back. And that typically takes, uh, you know, a marketer and an analyst a week of back and forth and several hours. And you just did that in in 25 seconds. I think that's that's really cool. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what companies do do on that front. You know, a lot of data companies uh, thinking about that. Love that. Absolutely love that. Um, we, we've been talking about it just internally at Cognizant, actually, as, as, a, as a play. And, um, and then I know Morgan Ingram, our, our sales um, subject matter expert who does a lot of our sales training, like he mm-hmm. did an event and he started talking about chat GPT. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, everyone can just, sales are just going to spin up loads of outbound emails. And mm-hmm. the way he spoke about it, I mean, I won't go into it, one, because it's way above my head, but over my head in terms of like the intricacies, but it was all around the prompt. It's like if you structure it and you focus on the prompts and and that's where the effort is. But he's like, once you've got those set up, it creates something like unique and something valuable where it's not just spamming people um, or like you said, more noise out there with the Mm -hmm. content play. Mm -hmm. So I completely, um, completely get that. And like, gosh, wouldn't it be a dream on these ABM plays if we could just add the prompts? Like I require all of this and five minutes later it's in front of us. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a different way of marketing. I, I mean, I, there's so much, uh, overhead sometimes in marketing, you know, just the, the process and the, just the complexity of things. When you can remove that, we get back to actually marketing and, yes. and right. Con- connecting with buyers. That's what we're supposed to do. Exactly. Getting back to marketing. I love that. <laughs> Most definitely. well thank you so much for joining me like this has been like one of my favorite conversations so um it's been great oh, um, and please come back because um, i have loads more questions anyway and um i'd love to see how maybe your thoughts might have changed six months down the line anyway so oh yeah no that'd be so fun yeah no i'm i'm so glad to chat and thank you so much for being here uh i i, I feel uh just as excited you know connecting with you and you've given me some ideas to think about and so Uh, I have no doubt that we'll be, we'll be talking more after this. Fab. Great. Well, have a great day and thank you so much again. Thanks, Fran. You too.